Welcome to Beacon Baptist Church of Lexington, South Carolina. We trust today's podcast will be a blessing to you. what I'd like for us to do. You go, let, let's grab our Bibles and let's stand tonight. Amen. When, 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 you're, when you're in an army or when you're in the military yeah. and uh, a, a general comes in, you can't stay seated. Is that right, Brother Dean? Right. When, they, when a general comes in, you've got to show your respect. And this is a man that God, I believe, has made a general of the cross. And so we're going to stand. We'll read the Word of God together. But I just I wanted him to be able to look out and see some some people, preacher, we're behind you. We love you, and we're honored to be able to be partnered with you. You hear him gladly as he brings to us a message from the Lord and from the Word of God. Preacher, you come. Amen. I've been in churches where the pastor was so tall the pulpit's up here, and you saw this much of me when I preached. I was at a camp meeting recently, and they got to see this much of me at that one. But now you get to see the whole ugly face. So, <laughs> if you will, be open your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. And we'll read one verse before we get into the message. Then we'll have prayer. And I am going to ask a man of God, Brother Caldwell, to pray for the message tonight after I read the verse, but I can quote it before I get to it. It's Luke 10, 9. And uh, there our Lord Jesus said, uh, if I'm in the right passage, uh, that the uh, Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Have I got the right one? <laughs> and uh, but uh, Luke 19.10, excuse me, Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Now the preachers preached and told us all about him getting saved. And, uh, and uh, I started to sit over there and say, I need to just sit here and let him preach. Man, uh, it was so good. And then... Uh, uh, all that good singing and that great song and all those precious folks singing, what a blessing it was. And in uh, all about our Lord Jesus Amen. getting us Amen. saved. And He came to seek and to save that which was lost. Amen. And tonight I want to speak on how do we get the job done in missions. Amen. And the mission field's right outside that door. Yes, sir. Amen. That's where it is. Some people think it's all over in different countries. It's everywhere. Sure. Amen. And uh, there, you can't go anywhere around that there's not a mission field. And people are everywhere needing the Lord. And uh, I know that God has done so many things in my life, and I, I, I used to have the privilege of going up into Canada every year. I'd take 25,000 John Romans with the Mark Plan of Salvation, and we'd plant a new church. And we planted churches in Ontario. We planted churches in Manitoba. We planted churches in Saskatchewan. We planted churches in Alberta. Uh, the last one that I helped plant was in Edmonton, 
Ontario, boy, those people, uh, Edmonton, Alberta, they love hockey up there, I'm telling you. I had to go by that stadium every day and they'd be lined up everywhere to get into that thing to see hockey. And, uh, but um, I've seen thousands of people saved because of God. And there's not a man that can take credit for what God does. God gets all the credit. And and your pastor's going to preach me before the other two. The other two will be all fireballs, and here will come the old bird. You know, and they'll think, what's he doing here? And uh, But y'all pray for me that after the two fireballs get through, <laughs> that I don't throw water on the rest of it. Amen? Well, I sure want to be a blessing tonight and a help. Y'all have already helped me tonight with this service. Now, Brother Caldwell, will you pray for this message tonight? Father in heaven, we thank you for the blessing we have to be here. Yes. And we will meet again somewhere beyond this world. And I pray that the ones that are here tonight will be in heaven. I pray for the ones that are unsaved, that they will realize that they need Jesus, that we can have religion. Yes. But I'm glad to praise God we have Jesus. Yes. Yes. Amen. The Bible tells us, He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. And I'm so glad tonight for every blessing and all the people that have been a blessing and are continually being a blessing along life's journey. We never know what we may see and do in this world. But I'm so glad he that doeth God's will yes. will never regret it. Yes. We'll never meet again exactly like this. Right. out of heaven. But I pray that you'll never brothers tonight, brother for it. See, been a blessing through the years. Yes. And I know God, the light of heaven shines in our soul, and I'm glad the joy of the Lord is our strength. We have a message to tell and a people that need it. And some will heed it, and some will reject it. But I'm so glad, hallelujah, for that wonderful day when I came to know Jesus Christ. Yes. And I'm learning continually along life's journey. Thank you for Brother Ford. I pray that you bless him. I pray for Brother Lawson and whoever else may need something here tonight. It'd be everyone, every person needs something. But glory to God, I'm glad you're able to supply yes, the yes, yes, yes. Amen. individual. Amen. And we'll pray that you'll help us to receive. And then when we leave this place, we will be distributing the yes. things that you have God given right. us yes. to give other people. Praise God. It's too good to keep to ourselves. And yes, I'm glad Lord. enough for everybody. Yes. And I'm glad we can rejoice in your goodness and mercy. And praise God. We'll continually seek to please you and to walk with you as we live in this world and we leave this world of sin and sorrow for that great home beyond this world help us to be faithful fruitful fervent in jesus christ i pray amen, amen. tonight i want to talk to you about how do we get the job done in missions when i was pastoring it we had missionaries calling us all the time and my phone would ring off the hook from missionaries calling, and I wanted to have every one of them in. And I sat down one day and I said, Lord, 
How are we going to get this done? How are we going to get the job done? There's so many places that need missionaries all over this world. There's so many places need Bibles. They need somebody that cares. And our churches aren't producing the missionaries they ought to out of their own congregations. And I said, if our churches don't start becoming New Testament churches, then we're doomed. And I wanted my church to be a New Testament church. And we had, uh, I think, eight or nine out of our church while I pastored there that went to the mission field. And South America, Africa, and then to Europe. And, uh, and uh, one to Mexico. But... Uh, uh, I wasn't satisfied, and later on I was given an offering plate by Dr. Don Frazier who started bearing precious seed. Uh, the offering plate, uh, two of you can get in it, and, uh, and if kids, three or four of them can get in it. It's that big. It is not for money. It is for people. And I first used it uh, with Dr. Lee Robertson at Highland Park Baptist Church and their great mission conference. And we had 337 get in it and give themselves for full-time missionary service. And through the years, 8,000 have got into that offering plate and given themselves to missions. But the problem is a lot of times uh, they go for one term and they come home. And we need to have missionaries that go and stay. When God called me into bearing precious seed work, I had churches calling me to be their pastor all the time, just continually. And I said, Lord, I don't know why this is going on. And then one church called me that I always wanted to pastor. <laughs> and the associate pastor always wanted to work under me. He said, if you ever pastor, I want to be your associate pastor. And uh, he was a wonderful man of God, still is. And um, um, that pastor and that church began praying. And they didn't, they, the pastor said, I want you all to pray about a man that uh, for our next pastor. So the pastor prayed, the assistant pastor, the seven deacons, and uh, they all wrote a name down on, on the paper, and it was me. And then they didn't tell me about it, and then the church uh, all said, there's a name that we're thinking of to pastor this church. He loves this church. We have him all the time and said, but write a name down of a preacher you'd like to have. And all 350 of them wrote down my name. Now that'd make you think that's where you're supposed sure. to be. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, and then I told Dr. Keene, my pastor, I said, there's a church I've always wanted to pastor in South Carolina, and the pastor's stepping down, and he thinks I'm the man and his associate pastor does, and the seven deacons and 350 people do. <laughs> and uh, he said, no, 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 we need you here. said, who's going to replace you? said, who's going to get out the Word of God? Who's going to do what you're doing? I said, it's not what I'm doing, preacher. It's what God's doing. Right. I said, I'm just a Georgia boy from the country. There's nothing fancy about me, nothing big about me, nothing to brag on about me. And uh, 
I said, but I've watched God do some things, and everywhere I go, I claim Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. The power that works in us is his power, not ours. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. And so, God's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. And it's His power that gets the job done. And uh, someone uh, said, whenever you preach, you should be either mad, sad, or glad. <laughs> now, I don't know if that's true. Uh, Pastor, what do you think about that? <laughs> do you ever preach when you're mad, sad, or glad? <laughs> I think some preachers do that. <laughs> and, uh, but tonight I'm sad because three-fourths of the world still doesn't have a good, clear-cut presentation of the gospel. Right. And I'm mad because our churches are full of people who could care less. Right. They'll throw money at it. But they won't even go next door to their neighbor and witness to them. They won't go across the street. They won't go down the block. They won't cover their community where they live. And uh, so I can be mad about that, but I can be glad tonight because in a service like this, someone will say, uh, it'd be great if someone would say, I'm going to be a witness for Jesus Christ. I'm going to reach others for Jesus. I'm not just going to hear it preached. I'm going to let it be lived in my life. Uh, I'm glad because God called me and He called my son. And, and uh, I've got two sons that are preachers, a daughter that's married to a preacher. And my grandkids are all in the ministry. And uh, one of my grandkids, she and her husband, just got married a year and a half ago. They're going to be heading to England as missionaries. And already Clarence Sexton, where they went to college at Crown College, has picked out the church that he's going to pastor. Because my grandson-in-law is a quite a preacher. And... Uh, I've gone to hear him preach several times because Clarence had them to uh, take singing groups across the nation during the summer. And uh, they're doing that right now. Just finished uh, being at Johnny Pope's church. And uh, uh, my uh, Johnny preached, Johnny Pope, but my uh, granddaughter's husband's named Johnny. And so he preached and man, that he set the place on fire. And uh, uh, already churches are taking them on. They haven't started deputation yet. They're just, they're just uh, helping with the singing group and helping Crown, and he's preaching. But uh, they're getting their master's degrees, and they'll be graduating and hitting the road. And I told them, I said, well, I'll be one of the first that take you on for support. And... Uh, my wife said, honey, we're giving 60% of our income now. <laughs> How are we going to take them on too? I said, we can't take family on. We can't take any, you know, God will supply it. Somehow God will supply it. But, you know, John Knox said, give me Scotland or I die. And God gave him souls galore, thousands in Scotland. Jim Elliott said, he is no fool that gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And he gave his life. 
And but he got eternal reward in heaven because later on his wife Elizabeth Elliot and Rachel Saint went in and won those people to Christ and there became preachers out of there and missionaries out of there and God did a great work because five men gave their lives and uh, I could name all of them because I, uh, I read that book and they, they just fried in my brain but every one of us must be missionaries who are spiritually alert to every opportunity to win souls around us. Amen. Uh, when I'm in the hospital, I've been I've had 108 major surgeries and 36 minor surgeries, and right now they say I need my knees replaced again and some other surgeries, which I'm trying to uh, hold up under the pain and just forget it and uh, keep going because they'll set me down for three to four months. I, I don't have time to sit down for three or four months. And uh, they tell me I'm going to one way or the other. But right now, I'm a stool pigeon. I get to sit on a stool, be a stool pigeon, you know. And so as long as I can be a stool pigeon, I'll keep going. Amen. Amen. And uh, thank you all for helping me get up here. And uh, sometimes I get up there real neat. Over here and over there and over there. <laughs> now, now that the doctors have accidentally cut uh, nerves in my feet that have given me bad neuropathy, I can't feel anything below my knees. And uh, so my feet will go in all kinds of directions. I have to really concentrate to go in the right direction. But you know, we're in the right direction when we get involved in reaching other people for Christ. Now, if we're going to get the job in, done in missions, could I say, number one, we must have a great conviction that men, women, boys, and girls are lost. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 1, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. From such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses, lead captive, silly women laden with sins, led away with divers lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. What's the scripture saying? It's saying that men are lost, women are lost, boys and girls are lost, and they need Christ. Thank God for our Savior that came and lived the perfect life and shed His blood and took our pain, took our punishment on His body on the tree. And thank God, I'm so glad He died for my sins. And He shed His blood to cleanse me from my sins. And He rose from the grave to justify us from our sins. Oh, what a Savior. And then in Romans chapter 1, uh, starting in verse 18, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. And boy, do we have a lot of those today in our government. 
because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. But, and, uh, and you know, when you don't glorify as God, when you know God, you look what happens. Uh, neither were thankful. And that's the problem with a lot of people. They don't have a thankful, a grateful spirit. Right. They're not grateful for all they have in Christ. Right. And they weren't thankful, but became vain in their imaginations. And their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image like to corruptible man. And there's Santa Claus and the birds. There's Turkey Day and uh, four-footed beast and creeping things. You got uh, Peter Cottontail coming. And, and then you got the creeping things. That's Halloween. And, uh, you know, it's all right there. Uh, wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanliness through... Uh, gave them up to uncleanliness through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lusts one toward another, uh, men with men working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of murder, full of murder, uh, envy, uh, excuse me, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, bliss, pl uh, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Chapter 2, Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whomsoever thou art that judgest. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest doeth the same things. And what's the Scripture saying in 2 Timothy 3 and in Romans chapter 1? It's saying men are lost, women are lost, boys and girls are lost. And uh, in Mark chapter 9, Mark chapter 9, here our Lord is speaking. And in verse 43, He says, And if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched. Verse 44, Where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thy foot offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into uh, enter halt into life than having two feet to be cast into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched. Where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thy eye offend thee, pluck it out, for it's better to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell, where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. Our Lord and His Word is telling us 
that when you're lost, you need to be saved. And, and we've got to have a great conviction that men are lost, women are lost, boys and girls are lost. And it's got to be more than an intellectual ascent up here. It's got to be a fearful, vivid reality that it forms a deep-seated conviction that drives us to action. Uh, used to in Augusta, Georgia, when I was a little boy, we had a parade. And uh, Boy Scouts were in that parade. Cub Scouts were in that parade there before the Boy Scouts. And I was a Cub Scout back then. And our Cub Scout master of our little place in MacBean, Georgia, where I went to school, we had uh, six rooms. I mean, six uh, grades in that school, three rooms. First and second grade were in one room. Third and fourth grade were in one room, had one teacher for each one. And uh, fifth and sixth were in another. And the principal did the fifth and sixth. And, but we had three teachers. And then they had a bunch of uh, sweet black ladies that if you didn't eat your food, they'd put your face right in it. And uh, I mean, they'd make you stay there until you ate everything on your plate. And uh, one day, I think I was there an hour trying to get that stuff down and kept coming back up. <laughs> I, I just could not handle baked beans. And I couldn't handle cauliflower. And... Uh, um, I, I used to fight as a young, a young fella. I had a hundred amateur fights and won them all. And no, not bragging, that's just truth. And uh, so, <laughs> if I had a lost one, my daddy would have killed me because he's the heavyweight champion of all the armed services. <laughs> he had won the army. He had won the beat the navy. He had beat the air force. He had beat the marines, and then he beat the coast guard and got the golden gloves. And so, Daddy, you don't you dare lose this fight, son. It's not looking good. You lose this fight, son, I'm going to whip you. I thought, great goodness, he's going to whip me, and I'm getting whipped already, you know. <laughs> so I'd end up winning somehow, some way. <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, uh, when, when, uh, I, when we had the Cub Scouts, Dad said, now I want you to be a good one. He said, you're a good fighter? He said, now, be a good Cub Scout. And uh, I said, boy, you had me fighting since I was a little boy, and you probably had me fighting into my teens and everything else. And, and uh, I said, now i got to play a little horn to get in a parade. And so I had to practice on this little thing. looked like a clarinet, but sounded like a flute. And we learned Jingle Bells, Shotgun Shells, BBs all the way, and all those songs, you know. And uh, Randolph, the freckle-faced cowboy, had a very shiny gun, you know, all those famous Christmas songs. And Silent Night, Holy Night, they, they, uh, they had all kinds they had us learn. And we got so good that we came in first place. But we were such a small group from that school with 48 students in the first through the sixth grade. Uh, that they had to uh, let the second and third place guys in there too where there'd be a, enough of us in marching, but we got to be up front. And they told us, said, now you march all the way down from this way all the way to the end of Broad Street where it runs into uh, down there at the end. And, and uh, it's a few miles that we had to march. And we're tooting our horns, and people are waving, and we're waving back, and we're just having a good time. And they had told our parents to meet us down there at the inn. But then they decided that the, it'd be better 
and they didn't tell us kids. And so our parents are down at the end, but they decided we'd break up at the monument, and the parents, uh, when we got to the end, we'd, we'd come back to the monument and be there to wait on our parents. They said, your parents are going to come here. Well, they failed to tell the parents. So I'm at the monument uh, with all these other kids on Broad Street. Now, I knew Augusta liked the palm of my hand. Oh, I didn't know that was there, but I'm kidding. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and so... <laughs> But I, I knew Augusta real well, and uh, I'd been all over it, and uh, with dad and mom and uh, different cousins and uncles and things, and so I knew Augusta real well. But mom and dad weren't there, so I thought, they're at the other end. So I went rushing to the other end of Broad Street while they came, got word, and came rushing that way. They're coming down one side, I'm going up the other. I get to the end, they're not there. And uh, then I come running back, and I, I felt lost as I could be. You say, well, why would you feel lost when you knew Augusta? Because I was separated from my parents. And you can know all there is about church, and you can know some Bible. But if you're separated from God, you're lost. And a lot of people are separated from God, though they know a lot about Him. And so we must have a great conviction that men are lost. I was in Chicago preaching, and I had my son Brian with me. He was five years old at the time, and he was out, uh, he, he was, uh, uh, out of kindergarten. It was summertime, and we went through Chicago. I had to get to uh, a place in Chicago where I was preaching, uh, a, a division of the town and uh, older part. And somehow we got cut off in there and came down right through town. And we got on the street where Union, the famous Unshackle program, comes from that mission there. And where there's missions and people working with addicts all up and down the street. And somehow we got on that street growing, going, and here's drunks everywhere, drug addicts everywhere, laying in the street, a drunk falling around. You got to be careful, they'll run right out in the road on you. And uh, uh, here's a beautiful young lady, and she's holding on to a, a, a one of the light poles there, and uh, and she's got a bottle of booze in her hand, and she's drinking it, and she goes sliding down the pole. The bottle of booze breaks open and cuts her arm, and she's laying there, and I. I felt like I needed to get out and help or something, but the cars behind me began to honk, and then the guy behind me helped push me right through the light, because it had changed green. And he, since I hadn't moved, they help you move. <laughs> and so I thought, I hope he didn't ruin my bumper. But uh, uh, and as I went down those streets, I said to myself, I've never seen so many lost people in all my life. And then God spoke to my heart and said, yeah, that's the problem. You need to have a touch on your eyes again, where you can see clearly. said, everywhere you go, there's lost people. You're just seeing some of the worst of them. But said, that real nice guy down at the gas station, he's lost. And that sweet lady at the pharmacy, she's lost. And he began to put all the people in front of me that I needed to witness to. and. Uh, We've got to have a great conviction that people are lost. And then let me say number two, we've got to hear a great cry that men are lost. Uh, 
In Matthew 8:13 and Luke 13:28, it says there that there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth in hell. And uh, we need to care. In Luke chapter 16, we have the story of the rich man that went to hell and begged uh, Lazarus, uh, begged Abraham for Lazarus to put water on his tongue and wanted him to go and witness to his five brothers. He didn't want them to come to that awful place. And uh, uh, there, the, we've got to hear the cry that's coming up. The Beatles used to sing a song when I was young, said he's a real nowhere man living in his nowhere plan, uh, living in his nowhere land, making all his nowhere plans, and said, isn't he a bit like you and me? They're saying we're lost. We're living in a nowhere land, making all our nowhere plans. We're getting nowhere. And that's the way we are. And uh, the Rolling Stones sang a song back in those days that I can't get no satisfaction. I tried and I tried and I tried, but I couldn't get any satisfaction. They looked in all the wrong places. You can find satisfaction, joy, peace, Amen. grace, mercy, love in Christ. Amen. You can find redemption in Christ. The world's music cries out, we're lost. I don't care if it's country. I don't care if it's this mod music, rock music, whatever music is crying out, we're lost in so many ways. We were down in Mexico, and Dr. Don Frazier, who started the Bearing Precious Seed Ministry, one of the most brilliant men on the earth, he had an IQ higher than Einstein. But boy, when he preached, he was just so down to earth, and boy, could he get a hold of your heart when he preached. He's a big six foot four dignified man, and uh, but just as loving and kind. Uh, we went to a Bearing Precious Seed seminar when I was pastoring, and uh, in the middle of the night in those um, campers we were staying in, uh, th they had uh, screen doors, it was screened in, it was hot there in Louisiana at the time in the bayou. It was 100 degrees during the day and 90-something at night, sometime 120, and you were sweating all the time, and here we're in there with fans going, and something woke me up, and I look, and Dr. Frazier's got all our shoes at 3 o'clock in the morning, and he sits out there on the steps shining them. He believed the verse in Galatians, by love serve one another. And uh, he did that throughout all of them. And... Uh, on that Mexico trip, as we uh, went into Mexico later, after the seminars and things, uh, as we crossed the border from Laredo, Texas, into Nuevo Laredo, Mexico, and went on out through the mountains and the deserts and going uh, to the Sierra Madre Mountains, back in there were villages where no one's heard the gospel, and uh, on the other side of Monterey, Mexico. And uh, I, I began to weep as we got into Nuevo Laredo. I could see these people living in shacks everywhere, people that looked like they just had no hope. I didn't see anybody that had much joy or anything. And I thought, Lord, all these poor Mexicans lost. They need Jesus. 
and we need to love them. And uh, I was weeping, and Dr. Frazier came over and sat down on the seat with me, and he, and he had tears in his eyes. He said, you hear it, don't you, Brother Ford? You hear it. And I thought the bus had broke down earlier when we were in, in uh, 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 Arkansas and uh, had to have it fixed. And I thought, is something going wrong with the engine again? <laughs> you know? And, uh, and I said, it sounds okay to me. The engine sounds okay. He said, I'm not talking about the engine. He said, you hear it, don't you? You got to hear it. And I said, I want to hear it, Brother Frazier. He said, I know you do. And he grabs me and he does this number to me. You got to hear it. You got to hear it. He said, there's a cry coming up from all these people. We're lost. We're lost. We're lost. Can you hear it? And by that time, he shouted so loud. Everybody on the bus is trying to hear it. And uh, we'd go out through the mountains and through the deserts and all back through the areas and in the little villages, and we'd say to each other, do you hear it? And we'd say, yes, we hear it. And on that trip, we had over 10,000 people come to Christ because we heard it. We heard it. And you're not going to have people come to Christ until you hear that cry, and it affects you deeply. Amen. I hope I didn't ruin that. But uh, it's so hard it almost affected me deeply. But... Uh, <laughs> Anyway, but I'm serious. You got to hear the cry, or you're never going to reach a world. One night I was driving home when I was going to Bible college, and I was driving home from work. It was after midnight, and uh, I looked. I went riding around, and I rolled my windows down. And I wanted to listen to the cry that was coming up, and I went past a bar and a man came out and they were fighting and one pulled a gun shot the other one right in the head and then I went on down and uh, a drunk come running out in the street and threw a bottle right through somebody's window and hit him in the head and they ran off and had a wreck and as I drove around that night going home I said Lord everywhere you look there's a cry coming up we're lost we're lost. We're lost. And then let me say lastly, we must heed the call of the Great Commission. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, as he's speaking to his disciples, he said, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, uh, and uh, giving them the gospel. Help me quote that, Pastor, real quick. It just went mine. All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the uh, world. Amen. And uh, so uh, there's a great commission. In Acts 1.8, Jesus said, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And you notice a lot of people take that word both out. They work on Jerusalem. When we get Jerusalem taken care of, we'll branch out that area. But it says both simultaneously at the same time. Isaiah heeded the call. Uh, and let me say first, we must go speedily, speedily. 
not like snail's pace. We've got to be speedily about what we're doing in these last days. We've got to go with speed. And Isaiah heeded the call in Isaiah 6, 8. He said, Here I am, Lord, send me. Paul heeded the call. And in Acts 9, 6, he said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And to Timothy, Paul said, Do the work of an evangelist and make full proof of thy ministry in 2 Timothy 4, 5. And our Lord Jesus heeded the call. And in 2 Peter 3, 9, the Scripture says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promises. Some men can't, can't as some men, what? <laughs> That's what I'm trying to say, count. It was wanting to come out, can't. I said, why is can't coming out instead of count? <laughs> okay. Uh, the Lord is not slack concerning His promises. Some men count slackness. slackness. But is long-suffering to us, we're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so, uh, forgive me, I'm normally not this bad, but I'm having a lot of pain right now. And so, uh, please forgive me. Uh, but we must go speedily. We don't have much time. And people are dying all over. And some people you may want to reach may be dead before you reach them. So we've got to do it now. And we must give sacrificially. It must follow Christ's example. In 2 Corinthians 8 9 it said, Though he was rich, he became poor that we through his poverty might be made rich. And so uh, it's got to follow His example. Yes, he became poor that we might be rich in Him. Amen. And then it must be spiritual. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 8, and normally I'd quote that, but I'm just going to go ahead and, and read it now. It said, But this I say, He which soweth sparingly shall also reap sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall also reap bountifully. Every man according as he purposes in heart, so let him give, uh, not grudgingly nor of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you. And he's talking about the grace of giving that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. So we must give sacrificially. It's got to follow Christ's example, and it's got to be spiritual. And we must give even if we're in poverty. Second Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 and following. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit, or we want you to notice the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy... Affliction and joy. Right. How many of you have joy when you're going through hell on earth physically or going through hard times? And, uh, but they're in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty. Wasn't just a small amount. They were in deep poverty, abounded to the rich of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. They wanted to have a part because there's a fellowship in ministering to other saints that are trying to get the job done elsewhere for Christ. And he said, And this they did, not as we hoped, but first, first of all, and I, I preach this and use that big offering plate, they first gave their own selves to the Lord and then unto us by the will of God. And have you ever given yourself to the Lord? 
Have you ever done that? I mean, like in a service, gone forward and just given yourself to him. You say, well, if I do that, he might call me to some way off mission field. Well, he may just call you to go across the street. You don't know. He just wants you. He, he wants you to want him. And then he, he wants you to give yourself to him where he can use you and bless you. God just doesn't want to use us and hurt us. He wants to bless us. When I go in the hospital, I go in to be a blessing. I don't go in to be like so many people that are just, oh me, oh my situation. And they're so, they're concentrating on themselves the whole time they're there. And they give the nurses a hard time and you can't do enough for them. You can't do this, that. Even the cleaning ladies hate to come into the room. And uh, when I go in the hospital, yes, I'm there to get help, but I want to give help. Amen. And I want to be a blessing and a help. And I want them on my mind, all those that come into my room and help me. I want them on my mind and not me on my mind. Because Christ in you, the hope of glory, and if he's in you, he wants to come out of you. And he wants to present himself to others. And uh, I, uh, one time I was in the hospital and uh, I, was, I was in a coma and I won people to the Lord while I was in my coma because they said I just preached all the time in my coma. And I'm glad that's what happened instead of other things that some people have had happen. And uh, one preacher told me, he said, when I was in a coma, I cussed all the time. And he said, no, I don't cuss. He said, never have. He said, I don't know where they came from. I said, maybe you watch too much TV or something. You know? <laughs> but <laughs> anyway, but, uh, but they said I preached and nurses got saved and people taking my blood got saved and all kinds of things. A preacher came in there and he was uh, sitting, pulled up a chair beside my bed and here I'm in a coma just laying there. And he tells me how that he's going to leave his church. He's got 50 people and they all complain and find fault and criticize him and his family. And he said, I'm sick of this. People are hateful. They don't love you. They just want to talk about you. And uh, I don't know what I said. I wish I could have had it recorded. But when I got through with him that day and quoted all these scriptures to him, uh, he went out and went back to his church. They run 500 now. And he didn't leave. And I wish I knew what that was, <laughs> you know, but it had to be God because I hadn't written any books on that yet. <laughs> but, but anyway, and then uh, when I finally came out of my coma one day, and there's a machine pumping all this infection out of me, my, my mom would come in and throw a, 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 a towel over it. She didn't like to see that uh, stuff. And uh, so, but anyway, this little nurse was in there, and I came out of the coma, and I I said, hey, little lady, how are you doing? She said, jump back. She said, oh, we didn't think you'd ever come out. We thought you wouldn't last much longer. And I said, well, God must want me to be here. I said, did you know there's a friend that's closer than a brother? I said, you know, your mom and dad may kick you out of the home. Your best friend may run off with your fiance. And uh, I said, and, and, uh, but Jesus will never leave you or forsake you. Amen. And uh, she threw up her hands and went, ah, and ran out of the room. And I thought, well, that didn't go over too good, you know. <laughs> and the head nurse comes in a little while later, 
And she says, well, said, you were the greatest guy on earth while you were in your coma. Said, but now you come out of it and you hurt that little girl. I said, said, she's worked so hard to become a nurse and now she's working on her doctor's degree. And, uh, but she's nursing while she's working on her doctor's degree. And said, she's a tremendous little nurse and you just broke her heart. I said, what did I do? She said, her mom and dad are multimillionaires. Both of them are millionaires separately. And said, they both got businesses and they wanted her to follow in the line. And she wanted to be a physician, uh, somebody that could help people. And uh, said, they said, if you're going to go that route, you're no longer our daughter. They kicked her out of the home. And then she met a uh, student that was going to become a doctor. They were in classes together, and an another nurse was her best friend. And before long, he got interested in her best friend, and they ran off together. And uh, that head nurse said, how would you know all that? I said, ma'am, I don't know how I know anything, period. I said, I don't know why that came out, how it came out, but evidently God had a, had a reason. He, she said, well, I don't see it, and don't you hurt her feelings ever again. I said, yes, ma'am. By the end of the shift, that little girl came in, and she said, I need that friend that's closer than a brother. And she knelt beside my bed, and, and I led her to Christ there in my hospital room. During that time, 17 people that I had won to the Lord, and, and then the head nurse, uh, she finally came to me because she and her husband were having family problems, marriage problems. And so they came, and I got to spend time helping them with their marriage, and they got right with God, got out of that Lutheran church, and got in a good independent Baptist church, and uh, are serving God today. He's a deacon, and she's one of the heads of the ladies in the ladies' mission committee, and in an independent church. And uh, But that little girl, after she got saved, she'd work with me. She'd help me with my prayer letters there, and uh, she'd help fold them and do different things there that, uh, that needed to be done. And uh, uh, she was just a blessing. And I introduced her to a young man that was going uh, to college to become a doctor from Trinity Baptist Church in Martinez, Georgia. And they married in their medical missionaries and church planners in Africa. You see, if you will care about others, uh, I, I, I've had surgeries in five different hospitals in the Cincinnati area. Um, we go to UC Westchester now, Westchester, Ohio. It's 25 miles from the house, but it has a better bed for my wife to sleep on because she always thinks I'm going to die at any time. So she spends the night to make sure I'm going to make it. And, uh, but, and they have just a real nice bed for her there and bigger rooms. It's just nice. And, and they're sweet. But when you care about other people, and we've got to, I've been voted five times, and it's because of Jesus, because I've never voted anything but bad before I met him, before he changed my life. And uh, I've been voted patient of the year in five different hospitals. Of course, I frequented them so much. So, but but any, anyway, you know, I, I don't need accolades. I just need Jesus. 
I don't need people to brag on me. I need them to brag on him. And uh, we've got to care about other people. We've got to go speedily. We've got to give sacrificially if we're going to reach them. In Second uh, Timothy two four it says, "No man, uh, no man that warreth entangling himself with the affairs of this life." And so many people get entangled in all the affairs of this life and forget people all around them. In Second uh, in Mark four nineteen it says, "And the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and other lusts entered in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful." Right. And uh, you know, sometimes, Pastor, when you preach on soul winning and preach on uh, reaching people, it goes in one ear and out the other. Dr. King used to say, you can preach something so long that it, people become dead to it. And it doesn't affect them whatsoever. They're not going to change because that area of their life is dead to that. But I hope with Christ and His power and the power of the Holy Spirit, it can change. And then let me say lastly, we must pray. We must pray spiritually. Luke 18, 1, men ought always to pray and not to faint. First Thessalonians 5, 17 tells us we're to pray without ceasing. And uh, uh, you say, how do you pray for missionaries? Well, we should pray for protection on the missionary, Romans 15, 30, and 31. We should pray for uh, uh, power on the missionaries, uh, uh, Ephesians 6, 18, 19, and 20. And we should pray for provisions for the missionary, uh, Philippians 4, 19, and on I could go. I was, when we first started out in Bering Proceed, um, uh, we raised, Pastor said, I'd raised a lot of money. Well, God's done a lot of raising money as He's allowed me to speak. And it's getting close to $40 million that God has allowed me to uh, uh, use me to raise. And He's done the work. I've just been the mouthpiece. And uh, I'm just a vessel. I'm just a voice crying in the wilderness. Amen? Nothing special. And uh, but God has done some great things, and I've not only been able to do that for our ministry, but I've been able to help several other Bible printing ministries, training their men, helping them raise funds, and raising funds for them to help them, though that wasn't my assignment. But I believe we ought to work together for the glory of God and not be trying to outdo the other. We ought to be pulling for each other and helping each other. and. Uh, we, when I first started out, my first year we lived on $3,500, but I raised, God allowed me to raise 50000 for bearing first seed and getting the Bible out. The second year we lived on 5000 and the Lord allowed me to raise 100000 for BPS, bearing first seed. And then the third year we got to 7500 and were able to raise half a million dollars for bearing first seed, and then God's gone on from there with what He can do. Uh, isn't it wonderful that God uh, lets us do what we can do, but what we can't do, He does? <laughs> I mean, we may can find a lad with the fish, but if it's going to be multiplied and feed thousands, it's going to take Him. Amen? <laughs> and so, but anyway, my wife said one day, I'd come in, and this time I had uh, some funds and my kids had outgrown their clothes 
and my boys' pants were too short. My my daughter's dresses uh, were too short. My, my wife had to uh, add cloth to it that didn't match the dress. And uh, the kids' shoes were hurting their feet. And I was so busy doing God's work. And, uh, and of course, I was wearing old clothes, and my wife was, and everything. And we were driving old cars. And, and um, so... Um, one day I came home, and the offerings were so good, I took them all out. And, of course, back then the kids, uh, McDonald's or Wendy's or somewhere like that, did the job, you know. But I wanted to take my wife in Augusta, Georgia. Nick Pascarelli had Western Sizzling. Matter of fact, they began to go all over the United States. I ate at one in Shreveport, Louisiana. That was the biggest buffet I've ever seen in my life with steaks, every kind of steak you could mention, all kind of food. Yes, sir? Some people say that $4 million is a waste. It's not. We're closed. It's closed now? I'd say that $4 million. Some people say it's a waste. It's not. We're close to it. The $40 million is not a waste. Some would say it was a waste, but it's not. Oh, no. <laughs> no, sir. But anyway, uh, Nick, uh, uh, we had gone there, and I took my wife there, and, and we got uh, those uh, steak tips, uh, sirloin tips with peppers and onions. And uh, we had been eating hot dogs. I don't think there was a dog in there. There was just mostly cereal, you know. And we had fish sticks. I know there wasn't fish in those things. They were like powder, you know. And uh, so, anyway... I took her there, and we got our tips, and we got a babysitter for the kids, and we sucked on those tips till we sucked all the juice out of them. I'm telling you, it was so good. <laughs> when you hadn't had something like that in a few years, boy, it's really nice. <laughs> and and uh, and uh, I, and I bought my wife a new dress, new shoes, the kids, new clothes, and everything, and I was just so happy. And then my wife said something that's in fear into most men. She said, "Honey." Let's go down Broad Street and win the shop. Man, I want to go shop. I want to go get it, and I want to get through. You know, I want it over as quick as possible. But we, women like window shopping. My wife, we have to come down here just to go to Hamrick's. I mean, she buys, and we don't just stop it. We, we're at Hamrick's in North Augusta. We're at Hamrick's in Columbia, and in Spartanburg Hamrick's. All the way home when I'm down here. We got to go by all of them till she finds things she needs. But, uh, and they're cheaper than other places, too. And so, and, uh, and sometimes they have women's clothes that you just can't get other places. Um, and so, anyway, um, we're, uh, I thought, honey, it's dangerous on Broad Street. You know, this is the weekend, and these soldiers are down here, and they're drunk, and there's all kind of people uh, that aren't soldiers down here. It's rough. She said, well, God will protect us. I didn't have a verse that said he wouldn't. And so I didn't, I didn't know what to do. And so I said, okay. So we went down to Broad Street. We're down there, and we're going in the windows. Looking. Oh, isn't that a cute pair of shoes? I'd say, well, if the shoes could be cute, I guess that's one of them. Isn't, isn't, isn't that a, a nice dress? I said, well, I don't know how nice dresses can be. I've never talked to one. But I guess if that dress, you know, if you say it's nice, I, I'm sure that's a nice dress. And I was going along with her. And all at once, this black man come running up. 
and he grabbed me and he said, white man, white man, you got to help me. They tried to kill me. They stole all my money. They tried to kill me out of an ear that was just hanging. They almost cut it off and he's bleeding and uh, beat up. And uh, uh, I don't know why, but I said, sir, if you had died a while ago when they attacked you and stole your money and cut you up and uh, beat you up, I said, where would you have gone? He said, I'm bleeding to death. And you ask me a question like that right now? I need a hospital. And I said, well, we'll get to that. But I said, what if we don't make it to the hospital? If you're in bad shape, wouldn't you like to know that you're going to heaven instead of to hell? And he pulled a little testament out of his pocket and said, my grandmother makes me carry this thing. And said, because uh, she said, it'll protect me. And he said, it didn't protect me too good tonight. But I said, it led you to me where you could come to Christ. And, uh, and I said, because we love you. And he said, white man, you love me? I said, yes, sir. I said, Jesus loved me when I was a no good for nothing bum. And I said, and Jesus loves you. And he turned to my wife and, and she was crying. And he said, white lady, do you love me? She said, I sure do. And I want you to come to Jesus. Amen. So he said, white man, he knelt on his knees. He said, white man, lead me to Jesus. Amen. And I said, I said, I have a New Testament, but let's use your grandmother's. So I led him to Christ with his grandmother's New Testament. His name was Farley Butler. He became a street preacher. And now he pastors a church of 200. And so you never know what God can use you to do. If he'll take a little old Georgia boy, farm boy, and uh, that later became a gang member and changed his life and used a nobody to help people all over the world, boy, he can use you. People need you. And Jesus wants to love them through you. Will you let him do that? Would you let him do it? Now, Father, Pastor's going to come and close the service as he sees fit. And Lord, I've not been myself tonight like I'd like to be, but I pray you'd take my stumbling words and be a help to these precious people. And Lord, thank you for what you're doing in this church. Thank you for this pastor that loves his people. And uh, Lord, he sure wants to grow a work that will glorify you and see his people be blessed beyond measure because they're obedient to you. So please, Lord, do a work in this place that will astound people in the years to come. And we'll thank you and praise you, and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor. Thank you for making us part of your day. We would love to hear from you. Please find us on Facebook or at our website, bbclexington.com.